Welcome to Monday Monday. We're Joey and Emma, bringing you a new, real, raw parenting podcast series. Talking to experts, celebrities, parents, and influencers to shine a light on the areas of parenting that are overlooked, unspoken, or not Instagram worthy. We say that every day is a Monday for a mama. Please subscribe, like, comment, and follow our journey on Monday Monday. Joey Kendall Brown, Emma Sarai Thank you for listening! Hello and welcome to Monday Monday. We are so excited to tell you guys that this episode is sponsored by Nano Baby. They are such a brilliant brand. They've just launched in the UK. They've designed the first baby bottle specifically for breast milk. So ideal for all you mummers out there who are breastfeeding and expressing. Nano Baby epitomises everything that Monday Monday is about. Preparing and empowering parents. Its unique design means it both cools down and warms up twice as fast as a standard shaped bottle, so it helps preserve the nutrients in the breast milk. And its breast-like shape means it's easy holding for little hands. It's super simple to use as you can pump directly into the bottle as it comes with an adapter that fits most pumps, so no chance of spillages. And finally, the bottles can stack on top of each other for easy storage in the fridge. Such a smart design. So whether you want to get your partner involved, you're struggling with feeding, have to return to work, or just need a break, it's the perfect companion on your breastfeeding journey. It's available in John Lewis, Mamas and Papas, or on NanoBaby's website at nanobaby.co.uk. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Monday Monday. I'm Emma and this is... Joey! (laughs) Today we have the pleasure of catching up with journalist, blogger, iTunes number one podcaster, no pressure, Joey. Mm. Friend and fellow mummy to her eight-year-old daughter, Grace, her twin girls, Eve and Ayla. It's the inspirational supermum, Alison Perry. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. What an intro. I know. The you pressure. Are, you are my god. The, the pressure moment. for us today, because I was so nervous with you being a podcast pro, but thank you so much oh. for joining us. I know this one Emma has been so excited about because... We have a fellow twin mum in the house yes. and she's hoping that you can answer every problem she's ever occurred <laughs> in her entire life. Well, considering our twins are pretty much the same age, yeah, it's are. not like I'm loads more experienced than you, Emma, so I'm not That's entirely true, sure. You've had, a girl, you've had Grace first, you yes. might have had a bit more experience in being a mummy. That's true. I yes. have got more experience in being a mummy, but you know, as far as <laughs> twins go, I reckon we're probably on a par. On a par. Yes. But you might, we might have a couple of tips to share with one another. Yeah. Yes. Enlightening for you both. Yes. Yeah. Twin the tip share. Yeah, exactly. So let's get to it. <laughs> Firstly, can you tell us a little bit about how your pregnancies differed? So between twins and a single baby. Um, how do they differ? Okay. I would say, I mean, first time round, I was completely clueless as we all are first time round. And I think that I spent so long focusing on uh, you know, having a baby and, mm. you know, doing the nursery and buying clothes and this kind of like idealized image of what having a baby would be like. And then second time round, I was much more practical. And even though it was a twin pregnancy versus a singleton pregnancy, I just feel like I kind of just got on with life. Yeah. And we left everything to the last minute. So in fact, we're only now just finishing off um, like decorating and finishing our, my twins' bedroom, um, and they are ten months old. <laughs> so you know, compared to when I had my eldest, and months before she arrived, it was like the perfect nursery. Um, and I would say, yeah, I was much more relaxed second time round. Um, probably because I had I had to go for fortnightly scans with the twins because um, there's a risk of twin to twin transfusion syndrome. Right. So my twins shared a placenta, mm-hmm. which means that you there's a risk of one of them getting much more blood than the other, and it can affect both of them in quite a, a serious way. So I had to go for fortnightly scans, which I think actually relaxed me a bit because it meant you were that checking up all the time. Every two weeks, I had complete experts saying everything's fine, yeah. don't worry, you know they're growing as they should be, and nothing to worry about. So yeah, I just kind of got on with things yeah. and. You know, because I was completely different. Why I you? had the four weekly scans as well, um, but I got I would get so anxious about receiving bad news because I suffered a miscarriage before I had the twins, and maybe that was an, it impacted mm. me. So I was like, I just want two scans and that's it. But we had so many just to make sure. And our boys were um, I forget the name. 
uh, they were in separate sacks. So separate sacks and separate placentas. I can never remember those those official names. <laughs> I, I remember walking up to the hospital and someone, you know, a doctor saying, are you having blah, twins? Yeah, yeah. And I just looked blank at him and I was like, I don't know, they're identical and they're sharing a placenta. He was like, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I don't know. So don't you've know got identical twins then? Well, I think so. Uh-huh. So basically we were we were told through the whole pregnancy that they were identical yeah. and they're sharing a placenta, which only identical twins do. Yeah. Um, but they look really different. Really? But yes. is that only you that says it? Like, no, I think they look different. They look yeah. totally different. Yeah. And in every Instagram picture, I get people messaging me saying, that one looks like you, the other one looks like your husband. Yeah. And and I did read um, in a twins book, I did read that sometimes two placentas can merge. And so people, you know, the experts, the doctors think that it's one. Yeah. And so we... Um, we conceived the twins via IVF mm-hmm. and when, when I had IVF we had two embryos put back in so there was always a chance that both could implant and develop. I mean that's magical really isn't it? It kind of is. Both of them. And it doesn't really matter whether they're yeah. identical yeah, or not no. because... Do you I'm think like, you'll find out? Because some people do the test but I, yeah. for me I'm just like they're healthy, they're here, they're fine. But I don't See, know whether I or not... I think as well, both boys, one looks like you and one looks like Danny. Yeah, yeah. But they're non-identical. Mm. Yeah. But would you want to know? I think... I don't know. Ooh, I think it's, it's kind of interesting. I find the whole twins thing just really fascinating. Mm, yeah. Whether it is that two embryos have... You know, two eggs have been released and, you know, implanted. Or whether it is that one has split. I just find the whole thing bonkers. I mean... Yeah. You know childbirth and being pregnant and all of that stuff anyway is insane that your body can grow another human yeah but i so i i might find out just for curiosity it doesn't matter either way but also it might kind of be interesting for the girls as they get older because i'm an identical twin yes you are yeah so i've got an identical twin and i do like the fact that i can say i'm this you know i'm not you know it's nice to own it like when you were growing yeah. up and stuff like that. Yeah, in school we did. Not we were quite good girls to be honest. But when I hit about twelve <laughs> years old, um, I hung out with a girl that was a little bit more promiscuous. And um, I remember I said to my twin, "Right, we're going to swap classes. You're going to do my RE class because I hated it, and and then I'll do your cooking class." And I ended up being quite misbehaved in her cooking oh, class. God. Really, I got reprimanded for it. No I, I put a towel in an oven. Oh no! That's yeah. actually really dangerous. That's really I know, bad. I know. I was immature and stupid, but yeah. On occasion, we swap classes, but we went. Even though we were identical, we don't look identical. Which no, because I would really never have guessed. Yeah. But then, okay. So I, I've been, I've been reading up a little bit about twins because I do find it really interesting, and I also read that um, right from the you know the identical twins very early on in the womb can develop differences mm-hmm. even things like one twin being closer to the mum's heartbeat can make their personality different it might make them less clingy with the mum when they're a baby or or, or more clingy or you know there's yes. so That's many things because i wouldn't even know anything about that i guess it's all about positioning even with a single baby yeah. as well yeah wow yeah so i mean that's the thing is that that even if you are identical you don't always look the same and you don't always behave you are different people like you and your twin are different people (gasps) yes so we're completely opposites to be honest it's almost like we could should have been non-identical because we are so different but then we were brought up the same way so we've got the same moral compass and values so you know it's it's, it's interesting to know whether or not you're born with with a personality or if it's made into about this me and my husband we literally say you can have the same parenting and two kids can turn out completely differently. Yeah. And I guess, that, well, obviously that is the same with yeah. twins. But also when you think about when kids go to school, I mean, you, you you ladies haven't got to that stage yet, but when your kids go to school, for the majority of the day, they're not with you. They're yeah. with their pals. And, you know, like... That um, has a big influence. It has a big influence. And like, we're getting to the point now where like my eight-year-old was like, um, mummy, um, I know a swear word. And it begins <laughs> with S. And I was like, okay, um, does it rhyme with hit? She was like, yes, it does. And she was like, and I know what it means. It means poo. <laughs> and I was like, okay, well, it's really important that you don't say that because it is, it is a naughty word. But, you know, she's at the age now where kids in the playground are coming up to her and teaching her swear words. Yeah. And, 
you've kind of just got to let that go and think that you are not the only influence in their lives and you're never gonna be and that's the scary thing it's like the whole instagram social media you know what how that's going to impact your child and you know we've been sort of brought up while it sort of exists and sort of Mm. formulates but now it's like the worry of our children and how it may affect their confidence for instance yeah that worries me well they say like social skills are lacking now don't they because Mm. children are so used to watching television and stuff like that that they're not actually like skilled in making relationships and partnerships between friends because they're indoors watching tv rather than outdoors playing with people but then i also think that being on you know social media is amazing because it keeps connections you get to see it's follow and see friends Mm. so i do think there's positives there really is i mean you know when i was when i was um you know eight years ago when i had a small baby and i was on maternity leave and i was feeling quite lonely and i had postnatal depression For me, going on to Twitter, because Instagram, it was around then, but people weren't on it, people weren't using Mm. it. It was mainly Twitter. Um, Being on Twitter and following other mums and, you know, mum bloggers and people who were talking about their own experiences, it just was this lifeline for me. And so, you know, absolutely there are negatives when it comes to social media and how Mm. it's changing us and affecting us. Um, but there are so many positives as well. I agree, I agree. I literally love Instagram because, as you say, it's like a platform. Mm. Well, Emma and I basically kind of met through Instagram. Did you? Yeah, we both, like, met through my husband, but essentially we started speaking with each other because she's up in Manchester and I'm down south through Instagram. And we talked every day, didn't we? And And, and it's weird because it almost, you almost can say the things that you wouldn't say to someone in in person. Um, You have the confidence to just say, this is how I'm feeling or I'm yeah. going through this, what you won't necessarily say. Yeah. Um, and it, yeah, and you were like my lifeline when I um, had my first miscarriage mm. um, and got me through a really painful stage. And then throughout my whole pregnancy, you were there telling me what, how to, you know, what to do and how... And, I didn't you know, warn you on how hard it was, though, no, did you I? No, didn't. <laughs> didn't. Slap on the hand. It's not to sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> but no, it was amazing. Do you think, um, having had your first child, it made it easier or harder to adjust to the twins? I think that it definitely made it easier. So I don't know how you found it, because obviously your twins are your first. Yeah. First and second born. Yeah. I, I never know what the right... <laughs> phrases because they were born at the same time um like you know I refer to mine as my second and third but it's like you know um I think that because I did struggle so much when my eldest was a baby and I had postnatal depression and I was really lonely and um just felt like it was so so hard second time around it's just felt so much easier Mm. and so I think that even though I've got twins in comparison to the first time around it feels easier so sometimes when you know other twin mums like reach out to me on instagram and they're like oh you know i know how hard it is i kind of feel i don't feel like a fraud but i feel a little bit like i don't think i'm finding this as hard as you yeah a because it's so much better than it was first time around and also b because my husband is at home so my husband is a primary school teacher Uh and we decided that rather than me take a year off my work because I'm self-employed and him carry on working that he would take a bit of a career break amazing. and be at home so he's a stay-at-home dad now that's amazing and it you means have that support. it's so so good and it also means that because I am self-employed I can do a bit of work have some baby cuddles mm-hmm. you know pick my daughter up from school uh do a bit more work while he's cooking tea do you know what I mean so it's real kind of like balancing things yeah. so I also kind of feel a little bit like I'm not at home with the babies on my own. Yeah. Um, but that was almost like a real self-preservation thing. Like I would not I would not be here happy talking to you mm. if I had had to be at home yeah. on my own with the babies. I literally would be like rocking in the corner yeah. in yeah, the tears. Yeah. Like, you know, having, having experienced PND first time round, it absolutely would have come back. Yeah. Um, so I, I kind of feel like it's been so much easier, but... I, I feel like I'm not... Um, my situation feels quite atypical, if that makes sense. Yeah. Mm. I, th- I think also maybe your partner um, having preschool experience with children helps because yeah. I'm very similar to you in um, in, in my setup. Um, so I took um, maternity leave, um, but my partner is an actor and decided to take himself off the books for a time, a period of time, to help me. It ended up rolling into 10 months of him not working, really, and being with me. Uh, which is not normal, I yeah. suppose. Most uh, husbands have to get back mm. um, to work. Um, 
and he was with me but we found it really hard and I do think it's because it's our first time as parents he isn't a primary school teacher and doesn't hasn't been around children so it's even more foreign to him I've got nieces and nephews so I've had a little bit of experience not a lot but a little but for him it was a massive shock to the system Mm. um and for us oh god we we're in the trenches still I Mm. find I think maybe we've kind of come out of it a little bit you know maybe started to see the light of day around seven months yeah I think but, I think I think because our babies were uh, maybe born the, a day apart yeah, or a wow. few days apart close, yeah. they're really really close in age aren't yeah. they and I think that round about now is when you start to slightly almost like blink into the sunlight and a little yeah. bit yeah. like you know normality is yeah. creeping back in yeah but it's nice that you've had that sort of um equal sort of parenting yeah did you find that um because your twins were premature weren't you did you struggle with getting the routine in place or because your husband was at home was he able to kind of take some of the burden for you I mean to begin with there was no routine you're just literally like wading through treacle just trying (laughs) to you know I just I just felt crazy and I, I think that it was the same first time around as well to begin with like I you know, I've seen it referred to as the new baby fog, and I really mm. do think that that describes yeah. it. And I was probably in that fog for about three months. Yeah. And I remember, and I have spoken about this before, but I remember, um, you know, I'd be watching TV and there would be people just like getting in a car and driving to work on, on this TV programme or like sitting in a cafe having a cup of tea. And it just, it just felt so alien to me. I was like, mm. oh, people do that. Like, I'm just in the house caring for these babies 24 7 round the clock yeah. you know feeding sleep deprived changing nappies were you breastfeeding as I well i was yeah bre- well i was I've, I've um right from the start i was doing i was combi feeding uh-huh. so we're topping up with formula and you know but yeah breastfeeding but just felt like i was in this on other planet mm. so there was no routine to begin with but having my husband around definitely and also with our with my eldest she really thrived off a routine. Not in terms of like Gina Ford style, yeah. but just kind of keeping things like the same. Familiarity. Yeah, and just, you know, always you know, having nap time being the same. And I've, I've seen Joel Wicks talking about on his weaning um, Instagram channel, which like, you, if you don't follow I follow him, it, I follow it. You must, <laughs> it's so good. But I remember seeing him talking about when he feeds his daughter he always has the same music playing like, mm. I think it's a classic That's music actually, I saw on. that post the other day it's yeah. a really good idea isn't it really because it? It, it just kind of has all these kind of like cues um for the baby and I think that so I this sounds daft people are going to listen to this and think she has lost her mind <laughs> but every time I take one of my babies up to their cot for a nap I always say the same thing in their ear I'm always like we're gonna go for a nap now you're going to feel really good when you wake up because quite often they're crying because they're mm. tired. Mm. Like, you're going to feel much better when you wake up. We're going to find a nice sleep. And then just say the same kind of thing. And I feel like if that acts as some kind of cue mm. and they know they're going for a nap, then it might help them. It's probably a load of rubbish. <laughs> no, I think it's good. No, do you, do, do you find that you're... when Do you t- take them up to the naps at the same time? Like... No. Oh, what, as each other? Yeah. Um, we, we try to, but sometimes, I don't know how you find with your boys, but, you know, um, one will be teething, the other one won't be. One will, you know, they'll just have different mm. kind of needs on certain days. Yeah, yeah. Uh, one of mine um, this week has needed really long naps, mm-hmm. whereas the other one, I don't know if your um, kids have ever done this, but my babies go through this phase where they'll just have like a 45 minute nap. So that's that's one sleep cycle. So, so one sleep cycle is 45 minutes yeah. and my babies go through this phase where I'll put them down and I can time it to the minute I'll be like right in a minute they're going to wake up and they do yeah. it's like this is so Built weird clock, yeah. Yeah, yeah but they just do one sleep cycle and then they're awake yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah they, they, they quite often have you know very different kind of sleep schedules and yeah. I will always have one baby up at yeah. any given moment yeah but that in itself feels quite easy because when you're used to juggling two babies, just having one is like, oh, this feels like a road Walk treat. Walk in the park. Yeah. <laughs> this is like a spa session, having one baby too. So how did you do when, when you were doing the, sorry, going on your question, but the initial sort of prem baby stage where you're feeding, what, every two or three hours. Yeah. What was your routine? Like, what did you do? And was your par- partner heavily involved in that initial yeah. period of well, time? Well, I mean, I was really lucky in that the hospital that I gave birth in, 
um, had an infant feeding team, mm-hmm. which I don't think is don't think is standard. I think that some hospitals have that and some mm-hmm. don't. And so there was always a dedicated person on the. And we were in hospital for about four or five days. Mm. There was always a dedicated person who would come round and check and give us tips and help, even like helping me hand express because with having premature babies, my milk hadn't come in. Yeah. Um, and they, were, they were only four weeks premature, yeah. so it wasn't like they were like really early. Um, and so we were we really kind of got into that kind of feeding routine in hospital. Um, and yeah, he was a massive help. And so to begin with, it was very much kind of like um, feed them, but they were so sleepy. So I'd be breastfeeding them. And after a few minutes, we'd be like trying to wake them up, mm. like rubbing their tummies and blowing on them. Oh God, I remember that. their blowing. feet yeah. and all the tricks, trying to wake them up. They would just fall asleep on the breast. And then basically I would, um, straight after that, we would top them up with formula, these tiny little bottles. Mm. Um, so we'd give them formula and then I would express. So it felt like every two or three hours I was Sounds doing... Sounds like you didn't get a break at all. It was like about an hour and a half's worth of of feeding. And then I felt like I had a, like an hour and a half to have Start a cup again, of tea. Yeah. And so I think at that point, my husband would kind of swoop in and he'd be like, well, I'll watch the babies. You go and just like have a bath or have a cup of tea or do whatever it is you need to do. Yeah. Um, but it's really intense at that, at that stage where you feel like you're just constantly feeding. Yeah. And well, you're feeding both of them at the same time as yes. well. So, so this I've, is something we've discussed yeah. earlier. Yeah, so I've, um, I've always tandem fed them um, unless one of them wakes up and it's feeding time and the other one's still asleep. And that always felt like a real treat, like just feeding one of them and mm. kind of cuddling into them a bit more. Um, but yeah. Always, always tandem fed. How I have you fed your I combination babies? fed as well, and um, because they were mine were five weeks early, and um, I would do the same. I'd put them on the breast, and then I would top them up with a bottle. But as a new mum, I didn't know if they were taking enough. Ethan was really, really, really struggled um, drawing enough milk out, so he would just scream the place down. Um, it's really and stressful, isn't it? It's yeah. so stressful. And my partner would kind of be there on helping me. He wouldn't be sort of like in another room relaxing, which probably he should have been doing. I should have just been trying to figure it out myself. But I, he was next to me going, what should we do? And I was like, I don't know what to do. Because Dylan would be on, Ethan would then latch off, and then it was juggling them, getting them both on. And then we didn't know how much topping up of milk we needed to give them. Mm. And we weren't given any clear guidelines or this is exactly what you should do. It, it was like, wing it. And I felt like... I've just come out of hospital. I suffered with preeclampsia. I nearly died. I've now got two babies who need me, and I don't know how to mm. to feed them. You just and get thrown at the deep so end. So I felt really, you? really underprepared. My partner was a bit like, "God, I thought you knew what you were doing," and yeah. I was like, "Well, I thought I would do it too." So it was very painful for about them first eight weeks, um, and and we didn't have the luxury of an hour and a half. So we would, I'd be feeding for about two hours. Then I'd be expressing for about 40 minutes and then I'd have a 30 minute window, but inevitably one of them would start crying. Mm. So then I had no, so I, I, Alison, I honestly did not sleep. My, me and my partner did not sleep for eight weeks. Oh. And I mean, not sleep. And then we would get maybe two hours sleep. Did you have family members who like no. you could get? Oh. So Daniel's family live in America. My family live down South and can't just come up yeah. every week. They just can't, or they would love to. The first couple of weeks, you obviously have everybody there, and then everyone goes. That's the thing, isn't it? Yeah. And everyone's like, everyone comes it. at once. Yeah, we want to see the baby, and you know, I I have heard people giving the, the the tip, which is that you should, when people want to come around and, and you know meet the new baby or be, yeah. meet the babies, um, you know, to say right, come around in four weeks' time, come around in five weeks' time. That's when I'm going to need yeah. the company yeah. schedule the help. it in. Yeah. yeah, and if you're coming round, make it bring a dinner with yeah. you. Yeah. Yeah. Or, um, actually, that was or one sit really with good the boys. Thing. Sit with the boys for an hour while I actually go and sleep. Yeah, I, th- I felt like that's what I needed, and I didn't always get that. And like my family, are fantastic, but we didn't have that yeah. support network, and it's and it's so important. We ended up getting so a night nurse. Oh well, do you know what? I I, I think that if you can afford a night nurse, yeah. then you know. Even if you did it for like one night a week, yeah, then I think do it. I mean, I've I've never been in a position where you know I've yeah. been able to. Um, but I think there's a lot of kind of, um, what's the word, kind of, you know, people being a bit like, I don't know, like a bit, a bit funny about people, like oh, only rich, posh people get night Well, mm-hmm. I'm nurses. certainly not rich and posh. And I, I was, we were brought to our knees where we were like, we have no option but to go into savings and find the money 
to pay mm. to get a it was probably I think we had about twice a week we'd have someone in for about five hours during that night midnight to five in the morning but I was so so stressed and overwhelmed by becoming a mother and just all the hormones that I couldn't even relax when she was there. Yeah, I was going to say. she was a part-time midwife, recommended, so it wasn't just some random person, but I would watch her nursing the boys and, and, I, want and to, wouldn't sleep. Yeah. And uh, probably, she she did it for about six weeks. Um, and, and then at that point, we were like, we can't actually afford to carry on. Yeah. And it's not, we need to start stepping up because we felt at the time... Oh, is it because we're terrible parents? At the time, we thought that. Obviously, we're not. But at that moment, we were like, we just need to step up. It's, it, we can't just keep getting someone else to help us. And we, we, we did muddle food. But I found that that initial new baby stage so painful, and I wish that I could have enjoyed it. Mm. And and I don't know really what what tips and advice there is really, other than finding a rhythm I don't know I mean every baby's different and, and, and every mum's different every dad's different and I mm. think that you know we put this pressure on ourselves to you know enjoy those you know precious early you know those, those early moments those early days and the reality is that especially first time round you can't mm. because like you know the hormones the sleep deprivation the the fact that you're like you know trying to feed a baby that you're trying you know the baby might have colic there are just so many things that you're dealing with yeah um did you find that you were able to enjoy those kind of early weeks and did it differ any time between the first time around and the second time first time around no first time around I was just like I felt like I'd been hit by a bus um you know I felt I felt traumatized by the birth Mm. um and I was just like what the hell Mm. is going on that was like me I literally just thought what have we done yeah yeah but I think that's really common yeah. and I think that you know not not that many people admit to it and yeah. I think that sometimes when you're in it you don't really want to be talking about it and then when you're out of it you're almost so glad that you're out of it and feel things start to feel a bit easier yeah. that you don't want to dwell on it yeah. so people don't really talk about it that no. much uh, there's an amazing book which um if you guys haven't read it I just recommend it it's called The Little Book of Self-Care for New Mums mm-hmm. Um, and it's by Becky Hands and Alexis Stickland. And um, it, it came out when my twins were, I think, maybe a week old. Mm. And it was just the most amazing book. Um, no, I get it. It's, I mean, <laughs> it's, it's almost like it, it might be a little bit kind of past the point where you would really benefit from it, Emma. Yeah. But, you know, even just, you know, retrospectively reading it. And it's got tips on yeah, dealing with visitors and things that you can get your partner to do to help yeah. and like really practical tips on you know a, a really good energy boosting smoothie that your partner can make for you mm-hmm. or it, it it's lovely and it's caring and it's just what you need when oh, you're in and I, yeah. I remember reading it when yeah my twins were about a week old and just sobbing <gasps> and thinking and just feeling like everyone the answers, needs this book yeah, it's so good. Well, hopefully all yeah. these new mums out there expecting can read it because I think that that initial phases yeah just can be I'm I not... didn't want to let anyone else do it I kind of felt like I was the mother therefore I needed to learn how to do things on my own and I didn't want to accept help even though I probably should have done and also as you say because of the hormones yeah. I literally was kind of like blindsided into doing whatever I thought was best and it didn't matter what Andy thought what my mum thought what my mother-in-law thought I just literally thought I've got to find my own feet and actually probably should have accepted the help because yeah, you would have yeah. liked the help oh, God, and I was 100%. turning it down. Yeah. Um, if you think about it though, we're all kind of, you know, independent, strong mm. women and we have spent so long, you know, forging, you know, our careers and, you know, moving forward in the world and we're not used to accepting help and we're not used to asking for help no. either. Yeah. And I found that really difficult first time round to actually accept help. Mm. And I would never have asked for, even like mm. with my family members, mm. I wouldn't have said, that was actually, same, can yeah. you come round and help, please? But I don't know whether you found with your second time round, whether because of the first time you prepared yourself and you knew that you did suffer from the anxiety, did you kind of focus on how to avoid that second time? Definitely. And I think that I've learned a lot about myself as a person in the eight years between having my eldest and having the twins, because I think that I have tuned into my mental health more. Back then, I didn't even know what anxiety was mm. and I wasn't able to identify it. I remember describing 
um, you know, to friends back then. I just feel on edge all the time. And even when like she's upstairs sleeping of an evening and we're watching a film and having dinner, I'm just on edge mm. and I can't relax. And I didn't know that that was anxiety. Mm. And it's only in the last, you know, over the years that I've read about mental health and listened to podcasts and, you know, talked to people about it that I've been, been able to identify that. And so I think that educating yourself about it um, trying to work out what the triggers are, what sets you off, um, you know, looking into different things, breathing exercises. Do you find that kind of thing helps you? Definitely. I mean, recently I had, I've had a, a few sessions of CBT, mm-hmm. Cognitive Behavioural Therapy. That's where you like put your thoughts in a box and then go to sleep and stuff, isn't it? Well, I, well, I haven't done that, but um, I've had a few sessions and a lot of it was like breathing exercises and... Um, reframing how you view a situation and I think up to a certain point that kind of thing has really helped mm-hmm. me but um I'm, I'm at a point now where I'm thinking actually I'm not sure whether I need something a bit meatier and actually maybe I need to have just like a weekly session with a therapist mm-hmm. just to kind of like pick through stuff and I feel like you know my mental health is as important as my physical health mm-hmm. uh, yeah. and you know in the same way that you might pay for a gym membership or people pay loads for gym membership yeah. i don't by the way yeah, no. but you know why why not pay you know the equivalent for a therapist and just have someone that you can chat to yeah. because we've all got issues and do you stuff. find therapy in yeah. doing your podcast definitely in terms of i you know because I, I quite often chat to you know women who've been through different experiences but also experts or mm-hmm. authors or you know and i definitely come away from those chats thinking about things they've said little nuggets of mm. you know little tips yeah, and things wisdom. yeah there's been a couple of chats i've had where i've ended up kind of you know in tears um because we're talking about something that is so close to mm, things yeah. i've experienced um so in in a way that that probably is quite therapeutic to me yeah <laughs> but i completely agree paying for therapy i you know when i've you know had um, a bereavement in the family i was straight on to seeking that um support and it made a massive impact on my mental health and enabled me to actually support my entire family through a situation. And that's quite a lot of pressure mm. to go through the grieving, but then also to be able to help my family. So I applaud anybody who goes, actually, I need a bit of support with my mental health. And it's so important to yeah. just, like you said, to invest mm. in yourself yeah. and be kind to yourself and say, actually, do you know what? I'm feeling a bit vulnerable here. I'm going to go and get someone who's going to hopefully talk me through these emotions so that I can carry on and function yeah. normally it's oh. it's so important i yeah. find recently so when i um, started cutting back on breastfeeding i was really surprised how badly that hit my mental health mm-hmm. so when you stop breastfeeding your body stops producing oxytocin which is the feel good is it the yeah. feel good hormone it is it's yeah. the, the, the good one and um which i don't know if you've ever experienced this when you are breastfeeding but i can actually feel it so i i, I feel this hit of feel good like adrenaline almost yeah and and i'm i I can identify it and Mm. i'm like okay that's oxytocin so Mm. when i when i started cutting back on breastfeeds um i had maybe about three or four weeks of feeling very low and very anxious and i had a panic attack in a shop and it was just awful and i wasn't sure whether this was gonna be a short-term thing or a long-term thing which is why i started my cbt sessions um but i just think that you know, uh, we don't talk about mental health as much. Mm-hmm. There's definitely still a stigma attached to yeah. it. Um, I think that, you know, as mums, you, you don't know when you bump into a mum, you know, in the coffee shop or at the baby class or wherever it is, what they're going through, what kind of day they're having. Yeah. And they might be having a really, really tough day. And I think that, you know, it's so good for us all just to be able to support each other and have that chat and yeah. have that coffee with the mum and just... Yeah be like how are you feeling and yeah. let's chat through oh, it yeah. and, and, and be able to just be free with that conversation and be open because a lot of mums don't no exactly. and then and I suppose that's probably why we created Monday Monday was to give a space where people can just have that raw conversation mm-hmm. and say do you know what no I'm not really enjoying myself right yeah. now because you know there are times in parenthood where they are really really sad moments where you feel maybe isolated or lonely or feel like you're not doing a good enough job you lost yourself you are. that's yeah. the thing I struggle yeah. with most is I'm Did like you? what has happened to me as a person yeah. like all I do now is wake up 
and live for someone else which obviously is amazing that you have the opportunity to do that and I know that some people wish that they were like in my boots but I also felt like I've, I've ruined my body I don't leave my house as you say I didn't have that many people around me that were in the same situation so I couldn't like have that feedback and know that I'm not the only one kind of feeling like I wouldn't say I felt depressed but I was obsessed like yeah. with everything I was so frightened to leave Knox with anyone I felt like if I left him with someone else that if something happened I would never be able to forgive them and therefore I became like so controlling it's and funny obsessed. though isn't it because mm. like you know you, you just said I wasn't depressed but I feel like what you're describing is some kind of, men- of mental health issue. Yeah, 100%. And it, I think that we kind of focus too much on, I have depression, I have anxiety, mm. you know, different labels. And actually, probably most of us in that first year of motherhood have some kind of mental health issue yeah. at some point. 100%. Yeah. And what you're describing is absolutely yeah. some like kind of mental health issue. Like I was pushing away the important people that needed to be around me. And I'm... It, it, was so bad that Knox actually is not very good at socializing now because I became that controlling over him um and I think that I've completely diverted off all the questions no no it's good um (laughs) but I just think that having that support and everything like that would really help no it's it it's so important like you said it's not about labeling in a way because everybody goes through different experiences every everybody's experience is Mm. unique Mm. and and so I think it's imparting information sort of tips that may work for you it may not but it may work I mean I've been given quite a few great tips along the way that have really helped me like when I was feeding the boys on my own it was massive anxiety around that and um a friend of mine said have you seen these nursing pillows why don't you try it out mm-hmm. so I bought these nursing pillows for t- 10 pounds do they have an they eat, like one each thing for the twins um one each and Honestly, I think they, they start, I started them on these little nursing pillows around four months mm-hmm. when I found out about them. And then I could then breathe. They could sit there on their own and they loved it. They oh, thoroughly they, enjoyed I've it. I've seen these on your Instagram, yeah. like the little bottle feeding yeah, things. And they, yeah, and they fed, them, fed themselves while I watched them. I could have a cup of tea. Luke never really drank it, but it was there. I could have it if I wanted it. And I could feed them both and I could be on my own and not worry about Because at one point, Oh my God, Alison, I had one in a, a bouncy chair rocking them while I fed one. So I was feeling guilty of the one who's getting fed because they were having to listen to the screams of a one twin. Mm, yeah. And the other twin was watching the other one get fed. Yeah. And it was horrendous. Yeah. Awful. Yeah. And so this little, little nugget of, of yeah. advice was just like a, such a game changer yeah. for me. And it m- helped improve my mental health at the, that yeah. point. Those are the moments though where you just want to cry, mm-hmm. you know, happy tears and hug what someone. What did you do? Because you, you, you tandem fed, didn't you? So you probably didn't have that situation maybe well like I, I mean yeah so I had a feeding pillow so I would tandem feed them but I would quite often need another person there to hand me so I would get one baby sorted and then I would need somebody to physically hand, hand me the other one sometimes my eight-year-old would be that person oh, I'd be like can you just hand me the baby please that's so cute um, and she you know just like bring her over yeah. um but yeah but then in terms of bottle feeding them we have them both on a bouncy baby Bjorn chair and we they sit in, we sit in the middle and we ah, hold, so hold the bottles that is like quite a simple thing because I never so, even thought yeah. about this I don't know why I never thought about doing that. But one of my twins, Eva, um, for the last couple of months has been able to hold the bottle herself. So we just leave her to it. We're like, yeah. there you are, love. There's your bottle. Oh, and then we'll hold the more, the more chilled out baby who just basically wants everything done for her. <laughs> we'll, we'll hold that bottle I for remember. you. It was a monumental moment when Knox finally held his own bottle at like 14 months old. <laughs> <laughs> like, yes, oh my God. One less thing to do. Yeah. I sent a picture to Andy who's in Korea who's like, oh my God, that is amazing. No. Did you... Um, did you uh, find like your anxiety flared around the when you were at times when you just had them on your own with no help yeah did that scare you because it's it really really what's the word I'm trying to find it made me feel so inadequate because I felt like I couldn't even look after them on my own but it it felt like it was a it was it was a two-man job yeah that one person had to do and oh it sent me under on so many occasions I absolutely think that a lot of the time looking after twins is a two-man job and I don't know how some twin mums or twin dads I should say Mm. um, do it Um, and that's part of the reason why I think I feel a bit of a fraud sometimes when chatting to other twin parents because for most of the time there are two of us there Mm. or my eldest's there and she is because she's eight nearly nine 
um, she is like having another it's not like having another grown up there because sometimes she just like refuses to help and wants to yeah. just watch something on her Kindle but um, you know quite often she will help feed a baby or change a nappy or whatever you must be so proud of watching her get involved as well yeah. and like she must love it must have been almost helpful for her to kind of develop a bond with the yeah. twins and not feel pushed out oh, because she, she was got, so needed she's got the strongest bond with them and um she went away for the weekend um to stay at um, her grandparents house um, this weekend and when she came back their faces were just like they were so excited to see Aww. her and she does this thing when they're in the bath we've got those um, i don't know if you've seen those little tub things that you can have them in so they'll be sitting oh, yeah. they'll be in their little separate baby baths in the big bath um splashing away and i'll be sitting there watching them and then she does this kind of almost like comedy sketch where she'll just like appear around the door and pull faces at them. And they're like so excited That's and they're so flashing funny. the water and then she'll disappear again. And then she'll get she'll crawl down on her hands and knees and like poke up from the side of the bath. Her head will disappear. And they're so excited. It yeah, the bond. Like chaos. The bond is just beautiful. Yeah. And it's lovely seeing twins bonding as well. I was just going to Because my boys are just starting to sort of really formulate this this so special relationship they're giggling at each other where i I don't know if you do this but i they're in the high chairs now and i feed some people feed them so they're next to each other yeah and and, whereas i feed them opposite so they look facing one another so that one would learn how to feed because one was a better feeder than the other that's a good idea finger feed feeding yeah and um they just start giggling and then for about 10 minutes they just kept setting each other off. So I just stopped feeding them and just let them giggle. <laughs> and it was so amazing. That's I thought, so nice. God, like, this is such an incredible thing mm. to be able to, to see, like, not just one, but two babies just having this rapport. I know, yeah. They're always going to have each other. That's the one thing I'm envious of. Like, if we never have another child, Knox is never going to have that relationship. And, like, even your oldest will still have it with, with the two yeah. twins. But, like, that bond between, like, siblings and twins is even stronger it's so lovely but then i would also say on the flip side of that if you know sibling bonds are lovely but they're not the be all and end all mm-hmm. and, I th- and i say that as somebody who had an only child for eight years yeah. and i used to find it quite a bit annoying really when i saw people kind of almost like um you know just celebrating you know sibling love and mm. and <laughs> me being like you know well my daughter might never have that and you know what does that mean then that she's never going to experience this most amazing special thing and actually um you know when i think about my own relationship with my brother we fought like cat and dog when we were kids yeah and like we get on great now but having siblings isn't like you know the recipe for heavenly family dynamic no you're so right it's so so true because you know i would i would be screaming you know, to my, my older brother and me just did not get on when we were younger. Me and my twin obviously did. Well, we not obviously did because some twins don't get no. on. No. <laughs> I've got cousin twins who did not get on. Oh, really? Yeah. So that was quite interesting seeing that. But it isn't a be on and end all. And you form relationships with whomever is in your vicinity, whether yeah. it's cousins, whether it's friends. It doesn't really matter because my sister's got an only child. Um, she might have some more at some point. But at the moment, and she's thriving and she's got great relationships. And it isn't... It isn't, I think it's, people have this perception of what the recipe of a perfect family mm. is, but I don't think there's a conventional family out there nowadays. No, Everything, there isn't. All families are different shapes and sizes and and, it's, and everyone is great. And everyone's just muddling through. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Before everyone's having kids, I thought I would want a massive family, like Kardashian style family. <laughs> and now we've got one, like I find it like so exhausting obviously another level with you guys having twins um that it's actually kind of frightened me into having another and hopefully you guys aren't going to put me off (laughs) you're making motherhood look very easy i must say (laughs) (laughs) talking of chaos though with meal times have you started weaning the twins yeah so they get 10 10 months old um is it carnage or is it calm it's a bit of both really and i I, f- I find weaning quite stressful mm-hmm. and I don't know um, how you guys have found it stressful. but to go from it feels like at, at six months you I feel like you're just getting into the swing of things so however you're feeding your baby whether it's bottle breast combination you're kind of in a bit of a groove and you feel a bit like yeah you know we're, we're we can do this this is okay and then all of a sudden everything changes mm-hmm. and you've got to work out am I going to give them purees am I going to give them finger foods a bit of both you know where do you even start all of that stuff I just find it really stressful mm-hmm. um 
But that said, I feel like we're doing an, an okay job. Are both the girls as good at feeding as each other? One is slightly better than the other, but they're both really good. I mean, compared to my eldest, who I feel like when I look back, I feel like she was like I think I feel like she refused most stuff that yeah, we gave her. That's my life. She kind of lived on those little baby um rice cakes <laughs> that you get. And I feel like she, I, I feel like and we raisins. started her on yeah, it literally was like raisins, <laughs> rice cakes, like she all the snack stuff that she loved. Um and those little um pouches of like strawberry puree, like strawberry and, and um, why apple. is it that they always like some sort of puree that's made by like a big manufacturer? Yes, exactly. <laughs> and not the puree that I've slaved over for like five hours. <laughs> I spent so long pureeing and freezing stuff back then. So this time, what we're doing is we have um we're doing a mixture of finger food stuff. So we'll give them salmon or chicken and steamed veg and you know all that kind of stuff. Um, for lunch and do then you tear that up into little pieces like can you describe how you because you had a lot of anxiety actually didn't I you about anxiety yeah. around it so, so um yeah so i guess so i guess with the chicken we'll like give them just like small finger-sized chunks yeah but like we'll buy that kind of like tender stem broccoli mm. which makes me sound like the most ridiculous middle class mum in the world <laughs> um but what we do is we buy those kind of like packs where you'll get um from like tesco or wherever where you get like tender stem broccoli um, carrots, green beans, yeah. green beans, and then we know that that's gonna almost like for the week. We'll just do them like a few bits from each, yeah. Um, and we'll steam them, and we get them with like chicken or salmon or egg or whatever, cheese, all that kind of stuff. But then come evening when we're knackered and the babies are a bit more tired, mm-hmm. we give them a pouch mm-hmm. of baby food. So mm-hmm. I feel like I'm probably. You know, I feel like people listening would be like, <gasps> "You give your baby processed, you know." Shop these bots, pouches are organic this is what i like it annoys me about this when people like shame you for giving pouches because i love a pouch yeah. personally but like i probably wouldn't buy organic food myself like unless it's like a luxury and yeah. we're doing like a special meal like yeah. it's just something that we just don't do um and so i think they're actually possibly getting better food yeah. from the pouch than what i'd be making myself yeah. well the brand that we buy it's really good quality organic stuff that they're putting in there there is absolutely nothing else that goes in it's not like it's got salt and sugar mm. and they don't kind of like pack it with you know quite a, quite a few of the brands will put fruit and stuff in it to sweeten it where actually this brand doesn't don't mm. so they're getting like real kind of like flavors and stuff so anyway once a, once a day we'll do that but also cut up some like cucumber and carrot and pepper and yeah. a few other little bits and pieces fresh you know salady things as well um, but to me, that feels like a really nice balance where yeah. they're, they're getting fresh food, but we're also not killing ourselves. And this is it. I think for me, I found, like I've said before, this massive mum guilt around the food because I've, I found it so scary about giving them finger food initially because I thought I was going to choke and, you know, with, having to look at both of them at the same time, it really panicked me. And I almost let the nursery lead. I put the, the boys in nursery uh, gradually from about six months, a couple of days a week, and it's now gone up to three days while I go back to work and I almost let them take the lead on the big chunky food bits because I was so nervous um about the choke hazards and I felt so underprepared and so I'd let them out be like oh have you tried them on this and then they'd do it in nursery the next day I would do it because I felt like that was the only way I could do it because I was so nervous and then I went to my mum's for a weekend and said mum I've got this real worry about giving them bread I said can we do it together and I got my mum to do it with me and they were, oh God, they were eating it out. Easy peasy. They were. they were probably and, thinking and to themselves, finally, mum. Finally, mum. <laughs> but it's, but I, it, I think I'm, and what I'm saying is that, you know, I think quite a lot of mums probably feel that way and yeah. that it's okay to feel that way, but just go and ask for help or go and, you know, if you're nervous about it, go and get someone who's got kids, bring them around and say, right, help me feed the babies because mm. I'm feeling anxious Definitely. around it. And also I think there's absolutely no shame in letting nursery take the lead. Yeah. So I think I did that when I was potty training my my eldest. I basically, uh, made we, we, we did it on a week where she was in nursery for the full five days. <laughs> yeah. And we just sent her in with a few changes of pants, and we were like, Brilliant. "Off you go!" Brilliant. You can do the hard work for me. Yeah. yeah, it's a good idea. I think we're going to do that. <laughs> do that. It's a great idea. <laughs> but again, with the um, sort of the pouches, we shouldn't be men- we shouldn't be um, sort of pro or, or pre or whatever. It's the same with it's, breast and bottom. Like, yeah, whatever suits you. Who cares? Yeah, as long like, as they're getting fed. 
as long yeah. as we're getting fed and as long as it's healthy and as long as you feel like you've got some kind of balance yeah. in terms of them you know their, their nutritional needs and your mental mm. health and your time yeah. exactly exactly my son definitely has like favoritism though because when my husband cooks he actually eats more of his dinner does he yeah, yeah. and so there i am like slaving away trying to be this like great mother um and then andy will come and cook and he'll literally wolf down every single meal and then he'll i don't know i don't know and i don't know whether it's because i'm not putting enough flavoring because you know you're meant to keep salts and stuff like that and andy just cooks for how we're going to eat it um but he's obviously a better cook than i (laughs) (laughs) i almost think that some children um sort of behave better say in nursery as well mm. when they'll eat really well oh, and then when they're at home they're like uh, 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 mm. I don't want this yeah, yeah. yeah. so I think it might it's be a little same bit with tantrums yeah yeah you might not be seeing it as much as Andy no, well the thing is, is I'm still then... feeding him I'm giving him every meal oh. and like I put it down on the table for him and literally it will look pretty much identical does he know that daddy cooks it no. Oh. Yeah, so it's oh, 100%. Joey. He's a good chef. <laughs> yeah. oh, I said to him, I was like, you're going to have to start cooking. He's got so a good funny. taste, little, yeah. little Not man. Says, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Saving me a job. Yeah. <laughs> I know we've touched upon this before, but I really would like to, you know, pick your brain on it a little bit. Um, so how are your twins with sleep? Now, my twins are in the same room. I have been regimental with their naps. So I will put them in an environment where they're meant to sleep at the same time. Now, inevitably, they're not going to sleep exactly at the same time, but I will encourage them to try and sleep at the same time because I think, for me, if I hadn't have done that, I would never have got any kind of life back. Mm. So what's your sort of like bedtime routine? Do they share the same room? Have you got any tips for me and other mothers out there who yeah, maybe are sleep? struggling? Because I've got a sleeper and I've got a um, non-sleeper. And so I'm, I'm in the depths of despair with sleep deprivation. Oh, it's so, so hard, isn't it? Help. But at least you've got one sleeper. Yes. Some people don't Halfway even have there, that. That's yeah. what I said. That's very true. Yeah. Oh, very I, true. Do you know what? There's no kind of like secret, you know, you know, formula to success when it comes to babies and sleep. Um, we have kind of just been winging it and um, our babies do like a routine like my eldest did. Um, and But we kind of just almost take our lead from them. So... Um, I think that with my eldest, I would put her down for a nap, even if she wasn't tired. I'd be like, well, it's nap time. I need to sit down and have a cup of tea because mm. I'm about to lose You need plot. it more than she does. <laughs> I'm literally about to lose it here and I need just five minutes, um, which didn't really work. But with the twins, we very much... Um, so, for example, one of them, Eva, um, a couple of times recently, even though she's been knackered and rubbing her eyes and just not happy, hasn't wanted to go down for a nap at all for the whole day and so I just let her stay up yeah whereas I wouldn't have done that with my with my eldest I would have kind of sometimes it's more difficult kind of letting them resist it isn't it like you kind of make a battle out of something when you could just have a calm day and let them not do it exactly and I just think well even if she falls asleep you know on the sofa watching Hey Dougie then (laughs) that's fine and I'm cool with that Mm. um so I think I've been a bit more relaxed about Mm, my approach to sleep um and bedtime routine I feel really guilty saying this but for the last, I would say, two months, they have slept through touch in the night. Wood. I always say so touch So what do you do then? So what is it that you do? <laughs> You're like, what do you do? Tell me what to do. Um, okay, so we um, we bath them at 6pm. Um, I feel like we've had this conversation on DM, haven't we? I know, we? but I want everyone else you to hear this. <laughs> you made me tell you my routine on Instagram. Yeah. Um, I bath them at 6 Um and Can I just ask, do you find bath time essential? Because that's something that I didn't bother doing. And I know we've spoken about it briefly with some other guests, but are, do you think that people bite off more they, than they can chew by setting this big structure of I think it like, depends routine? on the baby. Like my babies love bath time. Yeah, yeah. And, and But if they hated it, then I would absolutely be like, right, once a week yeah. or twice a week, let's just, you know, and we'll sponge the porridge off them. Because yeah. the, the I feel days. like I'm that mum that's like, I kind of can't be bothered. We, we have fine. showers now. They're yeah. much easier, much faster. Like, yeah. like, that's absolutely fine. Wait till they get even older. But, you know, when, when your son gets older, like my eight-year-old now just jumps in the shower on her own yeah. and, you know, sings Lion King songs at the top of her voice while she's scrubbing. <laughs> she like me. She might end up doing pop stars at this point. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, she would love it. She wants to. And she said, Mum, do you know that you can... Um, you can apply to be on The Voice Kids. No way. Um, you know, I, I might I might do that. And I'm kind of torn between... Is that her dream? She wants to be a singer? She, she wants to be a pop star, but then oh. what, what kid doesn't really? But I'm kind of torn between saying to her, um, yeah, go for it. And yeah, 
not really sure. <laughs> You're not really sure you've got the talent. If she, if she keeps bringing it up, <laughs> if she keeps bringing it up, maybe. Yeah, it's, it's, it's all about true. how you market things these days. Well, exactly. Right? Yeah, With exactly. you as a mother, I'm sure she'll do very well. Yeah, I'll, I'll get her a few singing lessons. Yeah. She'll be grand. <laughs> so six p.m. Bed. So six p.m. bath Bottom, time. Yeah. Then we um, take them downstairs in their pajamas and give them a bottle. It used to be a breastfeed, but now it's a bottle. And we put on in the night garden. And again, mm-hmm. I again, use that. Do you use that? No. This oh. might be, people might be kind of like rolling their eyes and thinking that it's the worst thing in the world. But I did this with my eldest. And I really feel like even when they're very little, having some kind of cue that tells them that it's bedtime. And so we put on in the night garden and they sit there watching it and, you know, reacting to Iggle Piggle and co. Mm-hmm. And we give them a bottle. And then at about quarter to seven, we take them up to their beds and um we one of us will sit in the room whilst they get off to sleep just so they ha- they both have dummies and they quite often lose a dummy and we need to just kind of pop it back pop in. It back in through the night do they disturb for the dummy or not now they do yeah. um they're currently still in our bedroom but i think tonight i might <gasps> oh put my them in God. their own room <laughs> this is a special i just night. feel like i'm really I, I, i'm kind of torn between thinking right we're gonna because we, we our bedroom is in the loft mm-hmm. um with a loft conversion done when we had the twins because we ran out of space um and their bedroom is in on the middle floor and so I'm torn between thinking, oh God, we're going to have to keep going up and down the stairs to put their dummies back mm-hmm. in through the night. But also thinking, oh, we're going to get our bedroom back. Yeah. Yeah. And I can go to bed and like have the light on and read a book. Yeah. I mean, that, you know, that's that's how rock and roll my life is. <laughs> that I'm exactly like my life. <laughs> I actually go to bed on my own. So. <laughs> like to me, the dream is being able to just like sit and read my book for an hour before going to sleep. So, yeah. I'm currently up and downstairs because we've got this, a similar sort of situation. I've got too many floors in my house. Mm-hmm. And um, I am constantly up and down. And it's one baby sleeps through um, and once maybe will cry for the dummy. Yeah. But the other will will wake himself up, whether it be, you know, wet nappy or um, his soiled or he's just woken up because maybe the other twins woke him up. And I cannot settle him. Mm. And he is at the point where he's then disturbing the other twin because he can't settle. So then I'm bringing him into my room, settling him, and then putting him into a, a, a cot next to me. And I'm feeling like I'm putting a, you know... I just... Giving I, a, for me... I don't know if I'm doing yeah. the right thing or the wrong thing, but I feel like I don't know why, quite how to... I think all you've got to do is what works yeah. and not worry about whether it's the right thing or the wrong thing to do. Mm. And, and also know that whatever is happening right now won't happen forever okay. and because soon they'll be five and they can get in your bed themselves and you don't need to go and get them <laughs> do your twins disturb each other or not really not really yeah. i think that they they're so used to hearing a baby crying or yeah. that they just did they did you just a quick question because it might be the, the 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 reason why they don't disturb each other did you put them in a cot together initially very when they were very small yes because I didn't do that. They were separate in separate little cots. I wonder yeah. if that made a difference. Mm. I just did it because um, I'd read that sometimes they, it, with twins, they can settle better because they're so used to being with each other yeah, in the womb, womb, that being together. And they were so small when they when they were first born. I had one of those um, snooze pod mm-hmm. bedside cribs. Yeah. And so they both fitted quite quite nicely. Oh in one of those would you try putting the boys in a cot together or are they too big now i don't they're, know the rules around now. it dylan's a, a, a bruiser he would be sort of bashing him on and you know pulling him and or yeah it would be a would be like a fighting match yeah <laughs> so it wouldn't work for the boys but um it's i think for me it's just trying to work out well you could try doing a night of them not together and see how that works couldn't you because you've not done that before mm. I just like the idea of them being in the same room. Yeah, but can you imagine the idea of sleeping? I know, that's Surely true. that outweighs yeah. <laughs> them being in a room together. Yeah. Um, what have you found the hardest part about being a twin mum and the best part? The hardest part? Oh, hmm. That's a good question. What was the hardest part? I think for me the hardest part has probably been trying to be fair and equal with my time with them. And... So I feel like one of them, Ayla, is much, uh, she's much more cuddly. She's more of a mummy's girl. And if I'm in the room, she will want to be on my knee. She'll want me to be holding her. 
Whereas Eva, the other one, is quite happy just like sat there. You know, you were mentioning playing. earlier about the positioning in the womb. Yeah. Was she the nearest to your heart? She wasn't. She, she was wasn't. no. She was. She was lower down. Ah, interesting. And it was the other one who was near. But then maybe it's because she was. Maybe because she, she was, was further closer, away. Maybe because she was closer to my heart. She, you know, that whole kind of um, attachment parenting. Um, the theory behind that is that the kind of closer bond you have with your baby the more independent they will be the happier they will be as they grow up so maybe because she was closer to my heartbeat yeah. she's more independent now yeah that mm. makes I sense don't know. Mm. makes sense i'd like I to know. i have to think about dylan and yeah. his positioning mm. it would have been yeah it, it actually works then because dylan was closer to my heart yeah and he's independent yeah and Ethan was further away. It could be. It could be. <gasps> it's a bit be. more clingy and likes a bit more... Yeah. Okay, bit it could more be that. I love all this stuff. I find I it do. absolutely fascinating. Yeah. So I think that's probably the hardest thing is that sometimes I feel like I um, I need to especially um, have a bit of cuddle time with Eva because I'm like, I don't want it to be a thing where it's constantly me cuddling Ayla and not giving Eva mm. time. Um, so that's quite hard. The best thing about having twins... Um, I quite like I just quite like you know when you take the pram or the buggy out around the shopping centre and like the granny stopping and saying, "Oh, are they twins? And are they identical? And are they are they is it a boy and a girl?" Because we quite often but we don't dress them in head to a pink. Yeah. Well, one of them might be wearing blue and one of them might be wearing red and pink or whatever. And so quite often we'll get asked, "Is it a boy and a girl?" Like, no, they're girls. Um, but yeah, no, I love that kind of like special kind of buzz you get. It's it's yeah. amazing, isn't it? That twin mum buzz is just incredible because I have the same thing, and it's it's and it's almost. I, I think everyone looks at you like they've got you. You deserve a medal. Yeah, yeah. they're always like, oh, you've got your hands full, and it's like, yeah. yes, I do. Like this kind of smug smile. Like, yeah, yes, yes. I almost feel like it's. I always said when I bought my bought my puppy when I got my puppy Hugo. Um, it met, we formed so many friends because people would then talk to you because you have this amazing puppy and that you, you get into this new group of people who have dogs. And then with twins, I feel it's the same thing. Yeah. People just drawn to you and have conversations with you. Do you have that with just one baby? Yes, yes and no. I think that like, well, I'm kind of that blinkers on, we're going somewhere. And if Knox is sleeping, I don't want anyone to kind of talk to <laughs> oh, us. Oh no. Um, but yeah, I actually do think that people, it's just a baby thing really, isn't yeah. it? I think that maybe more so with twins, but people love talking to kids, don't yeah. they? Yeah. It's a nice um, open them, isn't it? Yeah, and I, th- I think it's very sweet. But you know, Monday, Monday, we're all about talking about the difficulties and like how we've struggled and obviously how our guests have struggled. What would you say has been the hardest part of parenting for you? Uh, I think for me, we touched on it earlier, I think for me it has been the kind of mental health mm. aspect um, because I think when you're in that kind of low or anxious place, it can feel quite isolating. And even if, like, I mean, that's, to be honest, that's why I, I, I just love social media because yeah. I quite often, if I'm having a bit of a bad day, I just put it on Instagram and I feel, and then I instantly get comments back and messages back from people and it's either messages and comments that make me feel better because you know they're saying you're doing a really good job keep going or or it's people saying i've been through the same thing i know how, you know how you know how you feel or sometimes i'll get like dm'd from people saying i'm so glad that you posted that like the other day it might even be a few days later because i've been feeling a bit similar and it is it's really reassuring to know that other people are going through it too mm-hmm. and there are so many people on Instagram or social media who are just posting, you know, the nice stuff, yeah. the yeah. easy moments, the blissful moments. Yeah. Even the other day, like um, my husband was having a bit of a, a down day and I was like, what's the matter? And it was, it was a bank holiday and he was like, oh, I just, you know, I'm looking at Instagram and everyone's having a brilliant bank holiday mm-hmm. weekend. And we basically, you know, he'd been to home base and he'd been to the charity shop. It's just I, like another Monday. I hadn't left the house. I'd been, you know, with two hot, clingy twins all day. And so I just felt like, do you know what? If he's feeling like that, then there must be so many other yeah. people feeling like that. So I oh put on God. Instagram, this is your reminder that not everyone is, you know, yeah. you know, on a beach, having a barbecue, going for a lovely family walk through a forest. Yeah. You know, that some people just have really bog standard boring days and that's okay i've actually found that is the biggest thing about being a mother it's like 
every day is quite mundane. Yeah, yeah it like, is. And then you have the odd moment. Like, I was in Dorset this weekend. It's the first time that we've actually had one of them special, magical, lovely moments where we took the boys to the beach for the first time. Things went smoothly. No one got sick and ill. But prior to that, the month before, we went down to Dorset yeah. for the same hoping for the same experience but we were in hospital with Dylan for three days mm. and we were burnt out everyone was, was partying having great times and I felt like god when are we gonna have that that break that day of just enjoyment and yeah. relaxation and, and and unfortunately there's more sort of like mundane days than there are special yeah. exciting mm. magical days but even the mundane days we've got healthy children yes. we're together you know going to home base buying some stuff to make the house look great do you know what? That sounds like idea of heaven. Yeah. I think, that, you know what? That is absolutely spot on. And I think that it's really important to keep that sense of perspective. You know, when you are healthy, when your babies are healthy, having a mundane day, you know, we're so privileged that we can have a mundane, have day. A mundane day. Yeah. You know. Or a Monday mum day. Well, <laughs> I, think, I think you need to change the uh, name of the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Get mundane in there. Yeah, mundane mum day. <laughs> A bit of a mouthful. And <laughs> <laughs> um, if there was finally, if there was one piece of advice you wish you'd have been told before having kids, what would it have been? One piece of advice. Um, I think that I wish I'd been told that. I remember. I remember when my eldest was about a year old, reading this piece of advice, which was that everything is a phase. And it really helped put into perspective because it felt like that is so true that when you are struggling and when you're having a bad day or a bad hour, you know, whether it's, I remember being, you know, in situations where I, you know, she'd be kind of, you know, five months old and I'd been you know, going shopping with a friend and she needed a nappy changed and it exploded everywhere. And then I'd go into the change bag and realize that I didn't have any wipes with me or I didn't have a change of vest for her. And having to kind of like make do and go out and say to my friend, have you got anything that I can borrow? And just feeling like the most inadequate mum in the mm. world or whether it was like a whole day where I just felt like I was failing, just knowing that everything is a phase and that nothing lasts forever and it'll be fine in an hour's time, in a day's time, in a week's time, mm. that I think would have really helped. Yeah. Yeah, Alison, oh, thank, you so yeah, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for oh, having me. It's been me. such a lovely chat. Amazing. It's been wonderful. Amazing. And you haven't put me off having another. Yay! Yes. <laughs> succeeded in something. <laughs> thank you so much. Thank you. Just another Monday. So Emma, before we go, can you give me three reasons why you love our sponsor Nano Baby so much? This is really easy to answer. Okay, one, as I said earlier, they're great for stacking in the fridge. Two, you can pump them directly into your bottle using their adapter, so no risk of spilling. Woohoo! Yeah, and you preserve the nutrients in the breast milk as it cools down and heats up twice as fast. Oh my gosh, yes. Honestly though, I really wish that this brand was around when I was breastfeeding the twins. I had so much anxiety around this. I used to hate when Danny would leave and I'd have to do it all on my own and this would have just taken all of that stress out. And I love the fact that it's shaped like a breast for easy holding for little hands. Yeah, the twins are currently making me do all the hard work. <laughs> And so I'm hoping now they'll be able to grip onto that bottle and just toddle around drinking the milk and I can just sit and have a cup of tea. So whether you want to get your partner involved, you're going back to work or you just need a break like Emma. Yeah, I need a break. <laughs> <laughs> it's the perfect companion for your breastfeeding journey. Available in John Lewis, Mamas and Papas and Nano Baby Online. www.nanobaby.co.uk Thanks for listening. Bye-bye.